Welcome to Collaboration RA. This podcast is dedicated to our profession, allowing us to share who we are, what we bring to the field of radiology, and how we care for the patients we serve. We look forward to hearing from you. Find us on our website at www.collaborationra.com. We appreciate you listening, and we're glad you're here. Now let's collaborate. Welcome to Collaboration RA. I'm your host, Marceline Forbus, and I also have with me Reese Bergoon. Hello. So we also have with us two guests. I know that typically whenever we do our podcast, we have individuals who are directly in the radiology department with some of our degrees, but we thought it would be interesting to connect with some that are outside of our departments that bring something really important and very unique to our industry. The work that they do is still very, very valuable to our profession in making sure that we have the safety standards that we need to meet. And so I'm really excited not only to get to know them and their side of things, but they also wanted an opportunity to learn a little bit more about our industry. And that's what this podcast is here to do, is to really connect, reach out, and get to know people. We have with us today, Joseph Kirk and Matt McCulligan. Both of them join us from a company that's called Radiation Detection Company, and they are responsible for helping us make sure that we stay within our limits. So first, I'm going to introduce Joseph Kirk. He went to Austin Community College in 2002, completing his basics, and then he went on to pursue something totally out of the realm. He went on, signed a music label, and went to Alabama and pursued that passion. In 2008, he went to Western Governors University and graduated with a teaching degree. During this time frame, his mother was diagnosed with cancer, and sadly, she passed away. He wanted to follow that passion and understanding what his mother went through and went on to work for the American Cancer Society, which later led him into working with the United States Money Reserve. Currently, he is working with his passion now at Radiation Detection Company. Joseph, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure. Very happy to be here. We appreciate the opportunity. Last but not least, we have Matt McColgan here. So Matt, he graduated at UC Santa Barbara in 2009 with a bachelor's in philosophy with the end goal of eventually getting a law degree. However, his path took him another direction and he fell in love with sales. He learned that in order to work in this industry, you really have to understand and focus on the people that you serve. Since then, he's actually been working with the radiation detection company. Matt, we are very happy to have you join us this evening. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really, really pleased to be here. Thanks for having us. I would like for all of our listeners to know that whenever we invited you guys on, this was not a plug for the company. I connected with Joe. We have shared a lot of similarities in liking some of the same things that are out there in our industry and in our field and just said, I really like what you guys do. I love the information that you guys put out there. This is a side of us that I have not connected with. It was just a way that we could connect, get to learn what your industry does and knowing that there's others out there and that all of us are open to make those same connections. So I just wanted to put that out there for our listeners. Thank you very much for reaching out. So I know during the introduction, I talked about how y'all don't necessarily have radiology geared degrees. Can you guys explain kind of who y'all typically work with within the radiology area? And Matt, I'll go on ahead and let you kind of start. Yeah, sure. So uh, radiation detection company, RDC, has been in business for close to 75 years. 
through those seven decades, we served really three verticals or three industries, the healthcare industry, the dental industry, and the vet industry. And within all of those, there are people who are required to wear dosimetry badges. For us, the easiest kind of moniker is that we are assisting radiation safety officers to be able to build a dosimetry practice to be able to assist the rad techs, whichever modality they're in across a couple of different industries, you know, ensure that there is safety, that there is compliance, Marceline and Reese, your day-to-day job, the peers that you have in your organizations and across others are in fact in a, in a safe environment. We have about 350,000 or so wares on an annual basis. We process close to 2 million badges annually. I mean, we serve about 25,000 different customers throughout the United States, North America, and and truly uh, throughout the world. So we really focus on being able to make our delivery of the badges, the reading of the badges, not only quick and available, but simple for everybody from the radiation safety officer, compliance officer, environmental health and safety program, all the way to the radiation professionals are actually wearing. Joseph, do you have anything that you would like to elaborate on that? A key word there, and and I mentioned it as talking there in the intro, is simplicity. If we can make a process simple, especially a process that's mandated or that's necessary, if we can make that simple, you're able to do your job better. You're able to help more people, which is exactly why you're where you're at. I've heard your podcast. The only thing I'd like to add to what Matt just stated was do what we do. We try to make it simple uh, from the top to the bottom. And as Matt stated, we work with a lot of different industries and a lot of different verticals. You know, I disagree with everything that he said. We want to keep things simple so that you can keep doing what you want to do. And that's helping more people. I think that really connects with what we're trying to say here on this podcast, because from the RA perspective, we are there to try to maintain efficiency and streamline productivity within the imaging department, not only for the department, but also for the radiologists themselves. If there's individuals such as yourself or companies that you're involved with that can help facilitate that for us uh, on the imaging side, that is just another asset, another key part to a very well-oiled machine. How is it that you assist in the imaging department? Is it with the radiation safety officer? How do all these moving parts work? Can one of y'all explain that to me? From my standpoint, being in sales, there are things that we have in place for when a client reaches out to us. We have an outbound campaign. We have people that go out into the field. We go to conferences. Because of the fact we have a product that you're required to have, it's quite often that we're called. To be honest with you, it, it can vary. I deal with small mom and pops, small vet offices, and then we deal with large hospitals. When you're talking about larger organizations, there are contracts that require different types of dialogue, different people that you're working with. There's a lot of different moving parts as you move into different industries. There's really three elements to it. There's a compliance standpoint. And what I mean by that is, it's mandated in specific verticals or industries, right? Healthcare being one of them, the veterinary space being another, and the dental being another, where the folks who are around any sort of imaging equipment, any sort of radiology department, you, know, you may see this in oncology or in the, in the radiation type of medicine, it's required that you are wearing this dosimeter badge. The federal government has mandated this, and then there's some state laws that have it. So... This is something that's required for the safety of the individual that is in these environments on a day-to-day basis. We really try to simplify the process. We call solo practices or some of those smaller organizations to be able to help them with their compliance and the requirements that the state and federal government has. 
what we found is that the same solo practice or smaller organizations also have the same needs as the top-end hospitals that are multinational, multi-state. What we've found to be really successful is the other part of making it delightful. You make it simple and then you educate. Our approach is to make sure that we are detailing, right, what are we doing differently? How can we help? And really, truly what that simplification process is as a story. And your peers may get a kick out of this, but there's someone chasing you down with a box saying, hey, put your badge in here and take the other one. Badge isn't on the badge board, right? You guys are probably uh, dealing with that on a day-to-day basis. We want to make sure that if uh, Marceline or Reese or whomever needs access to that report about their dose history, that we're able to deliver that quickly. We do that in a variety of ways, but first is making sure that we get that badge read very quickly. So it is important for all of those listening. I know it's a kind of a pain in the rear to, to remember to do that, but you got to get it back so we can do that measurement. The way that we really facilitate this Reese at the highest level with maybe a radiation safety officer, an RSO, an RA, a rad tech, an office manager in a smaller location is we demonstrate a level of education where we're trying to help clients understand that we want to help you do the thing you have to do. We want to make it enjoyable and we want to help you learn about how we can help keep you and the rest of your employees safe. So are you talking about me? You know that they chased me down to put my badge on? There is a function to play in that, but you're absolutely right, Marceline. Talking to a lot of people in your space, like as silly as it is, there's no easy way to put that thing in a box and wear a new one. And it never fails. It's midday and that's when, you know, we're early morning and they're coming to change it out. And that's when I'm the busiest and you're just running all over the department. So yes, they do hunt you down and tackle you. I will say the work that y'all do is one that is often dismissed by us, not intentionally. It's not one that we think about a lot until we go to sign our quarterly reports and find out where we fall on the scale of exposure. You guys are so essential in making sure that I can continue to work for the next 20 years without being overexposed because I still got 20 more years left in my career and I've already been doing it 20 years. And so knowing that lifetime of dose that I'm going to get or that Reese is going to get or that any of my peers are getting is unbelievable value, but not one that we think about a lot. And I think that's the funny thing about radiology as a whole is you don't see it, it doesn't hurt you. And I think people who don't work within medical imaging don't really see it as a harmful thing, especially when you're dropped in a Dobhoff tube down the same patient. Oh yeah, totally been there. I try to explain this to healthcare staff who don't understand radiation or radiation dose, how much of a severe thing it is because they're like, oh, well, let's just send them back to radiology. They'll just do it again. And that's not how it works because I may have spent X amount of minutes trying to get this and finally accomplishing it or whatever. It's not safe for my team. It's not safe for myself. It's not safe for the patient. Right. And I have always told people if radiation hurt, it would be a whole different story. It'd be a whole different ballgame. It's actually damaging. There is no safe dose. We were taught that in school. And so that is why I am very fortunate to have people checking me every quarter to make sure that I stay within my limits. And that's a little reminder to, to watch my times, watch my fluoro times especially, make sure that I'm taking care of my patients, but just by sheer quantity, I'm also dosing myself in the process. So we also need to take into account to make sure we take care of ourselves. I'm so glad we have medical dosimetry to monitor that and track that. And I'll add to that, they have made advancements to our equipment, which I'm sure you guys are aware of. 
I don't know that you know how our equipment works, but we have a lot of the fluoro towers now are these fixed units. And it's really cut down on the patient's exposure, which is amazing. It's phenomenal, right? But not so much on the staff exposure. We still have to remind the staff that now you don't have the lead curtain that comes down over the units. And now your II is changed from where your tube head is. And so just being cognizant of those where you're standing, that you're going to get the least amount of radiation. And so now, instead of being next to the fluoro tower and running it, you're actually having to pull yourself back from the unit, remind the text, step back from the unit, because the more you continue to be there, the more your doses are being increased. And so that's also where you guys play a big proponent in that as we get this new equipment and we learn to work around it is navigating around, wait a second, my exposures went up. Why? And I think one of the podcasts that we did with Daniel DeMaio, it talks about the use of shielding and that there's really some people think that there's really not a need for it, that our medical imaging has really done great. And for the patient exposure, it really has done great. But for the staff, it's still a dose that you're getting and you're getting it over a longer period of time. And so that lead apron and wearing those detection devices are extremely, extremely important in our industry. Marcelie, that actually kind of brought up the question I was wanting to ask you. And there was an episode that I had listened to, The Small But Mighty was the name of the podcast, speaking about prostate treatment. Now, it only took maybe four to six minutes, but I was astounded. It was quite impressive. But my question to you, how has technology affected your profession? What do you do to keep up with those innovations or those new source types or the new machines or the new modalities? How often is this continuing education in where you're at? So the continuing education can be different and it varies from state to state. Here in Texas, as a radiologic technologist, you have to complete 24 CEU hours. For the RRA, they have to get 50 every two years. It varies depending on what certifications you have and then, of course, what the state mandates. The technology and keeping up with our equipment, anytime that we get something new, they do bring in the individuals who install the equipment and then you have your key group people who are trained in it and then they kind of teach everybody else. As an RA, you get very fortunate that because you're working with the equipment a lot more, you tend to be one of those people that's allowed to train in it and to understand the equipment. A lot of times the companies, when they train you on the unit, they'll also give you a CEU for completing that training. So it's just really trying to keep up with the industry, what's really new out there, and more of it's hands-on in terms of the equipment. Yeah, just to touch on something else, there's been a ton of technological advancements in the imaging industry as well. We've gone from film radiographs to digital imaging. And with those increases, you have decreased patient dose as well as decreased scatter to ancillary staff and imaging technologists. It is beneficial across the board. You also see the baby boomer industry coming into the medical field. So you have increased population coming in that's needing imaging or hospitalization stays. And so that's increasing the demands on the imaging department, increasing demands on the technologist and increasing dose on the technologist as well. I feel that if the digital imaging was not in effect in today's age and we were still using film, our technologists would be seeing very high numbers when compared to 20, 30, 50 years ago. That would be something I would be interested to see. Has our limits always been this way or are they reviewed like every five years, every 10 years? I don't know. And maybe some of our listeners do, maybe y'all do. 
when were these limits set? We still have the handwritten dose reports dating back to the 50s and 60s. To answer your question, I think that who the governing body is in our space, and there's a couple, really starts with NIST, National Institute of Standards and Technology. And under that group, there's a group called NAVLAP, NVLAP, which is the National Voluntary Laboratory Accreditation Program. That's the entity that manages our lab environment, right? So all of the dose calculations, all of the ALARA reporting, right, as low as reasonably achievable, those are the measures of which we're looking at when it comes to what those dose calculations are. The governing kind of guidance of this is actually under the NRC, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. So they have a hand in working with the imaging companies, right? The hardware, those fluoro towers that you're using, the new technology that's being released, all the way through how organizations like us are calculating what those dose should be, how we measure it, how we think about it, long-term impact. The alarm measurements that we're using are not the same as they were 20 years ago, right? They are adapting and changing to the type of technology and, and ability to be more protective for you guys. And listening to several of the podcasts, I know this is really specific towards kind of that healthcare specialist, but when you're thinking about what happened in the last two years with COVID, the folks that went out the animal shelters and started bringing home cats and dogs and the impact that that had on the bed industry, there's a lot of peers of yours in the bed clinics that are having to hold down Fido as he's coming in for an x-ray or something. So they're getting much more intimate with that type of energy source through whatever they're doing with the animal. You can't tell Fido just to lay there and keep your leg at that specific angle. You have to get really involved with whatever that reading is. So it is kind of spreading out from the boomers, you know, impacting the healthcare, COVID impacting the vet space, and then just everybody with teeth impacting the dental organization. There's a lot of peers across a lot of different industries who are really feeling the impact that you were just mentioning. It didn't even dawn on me to think about how COVID affects the vet industry and the dental industry. I remember being in the office with Larry when COVID had really hit the fan and we had started to kind of map. Remember the maps that were out there, they were sure where it was spreading. And we started to notice a, a change too in our outreach when we were reaching out to potential clients or to people who were engaging with us. One thing that I really loved about what we did as a team is we pumped the brakes. We tried to understand and, and empathize. We understand what y'all do and we understand the nature of your business. But to hear the stress in the voices, I've talked to managers that passed away due to COVID. I heard the hurt in the, in the voices of the practice managers that answered the phone to see how something affected these industries across the board in the way that they did. But our team, when we did engage, like I said, with potential prospects or when they reached out to us, we didn't make it about sales. We put maximum effort into that human connection that Matt even spoke of earlier. We asked, how are you? Is there something we can do for you? We did everything we could to really uh, be as human as possible. So that is one thing that I want to say about COVID since it got brought up is that nobody was immune to that. There was a huge ripple in the effect it was very painful to hear the pain in their voices. I was talking to a large healthcare organization in the Midwest up in the Ohio area and talking about turning the first floor of the parking unit into the radiation lab for, for a moment. Just a big shout out, as Joe mentioned, like we helped in a small way, but you guys were right there on the front line. I think for me, COVID, what struck me during it, and I'm sure Reese will agree, is the eerie quiet the hospital had in the very beginning. Mm. 
I've never heard and walked into work with such stillness and such quiet. Mm. And it remained for weeks just mm. so, so quiet in an environment where usually you're laughing and everybody's having a good time. You walk through the hallway, you say hi. Everybody was frightened and trying to figure out what to do. When we did lose an RA to mm. COVID who was close to retiring or had just come out of retirement, a lot of us were directly in that. It was, it was difficult. Thank you for being there for those departments that y'all do serve. Thank y'all for what you do. Like Matt said, y'all are on the front mm. line. Something I'll never forget, that's for sure. I will say the probably the majority of the episodes we've done, COVID has been mentioned and we talk about it and the effects that it has had. Marceline, you were right. It, when it very first started and everything shut down, I remember walking into the hospital and it was eerily quiet because I was the only person I could hear or see in the lobby and the connecting hallways on my normal route in. Everything was by phone or by Zoom or by text. There was very little face-to-face or person-to-person interaction. Everyone was held at arm's length. Physical touch in medicine is such a valuable thing to have, right? I missed hugging my patients. Hmm. I missed patting their backs when they welcome that scenario. It makes a difference in the care that they receive. It makes a difference in their healing process. They've shown that statistically. They have improved outcomes through physical touch and connecting with each other. We lost that in COVID. Mm -hmm. We lost that for two or three years. You're just now starting to get it back, but not to the extent that we were able to do it before. Now we have to tell them, you know, I clean my hands when you go to shake their hand. Unfortunately, that's the world that we're in right now. And this goes to another episode that you had. And I actually went back and listened to this one twice. It was, it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was something she brought up called compassion fatigue. And this is for Reese too, but was there ever a point where compassion fatigue came to play? And have you ever heard of that before that particular episode? I had not really ever heard of it. It makes sense once I did hear of it. Same for me, right? Yeah. For me, compassion fatigue, I don't think I have experienced it. Mm. I may not know that I've ever experienced it. I don't feel that I have. The other topics I could definitely relate to a lot more, but I can definitely see where people would have that compassion fatigue. For me, I think it was the opposite, like what you were saying. I could no longer deliver that aspect of me to them. That for me was extremely, extremely hard. That was a very interesting episode. Yeah, so if any of our listeners jumping in now. If you have not already heard the two-part episode, it's okay to not be okay. Go check it out. We learned a lot about these issues such as compassion fatigue. That was a topic I had never heard of uh, before that episode. And after visiting with them and having them explain it and describe it and show how it is so real in our daily lives, Go check it out. There's the whole list of episodes. We have a bunch of them. Go hit that button. Go start with part one. One of the questions that I did want to ask y'all, I know in our industry, we have a lot of people who don't work within our industry kind of assume about us. What is something that maybe we assume about your industry that maybe isn't true? It's a very interesting question. Yeah, you know, I can take a stab at that. I think from our angle, right, we're a compliance-driven, mandated 
type of thing. And Marceline, you touched on it earlier, like you got someone come and knock on your door when you're in the middle of two cases and, and doing some certain things and not really understanding the importance of why they're there or truly why that person is asking you to stop what you're doing to do it. I think dosimetry and the badges of it, 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 it itself is not truly what we do. That's the end result. The misconception is that folks like Joe, myself, RDC, other people in the industry are trying to sell these badges, right? In reality, what we're trying to do is be able to provide a way for you, your peers, your organizations to get this legal dose of record. The way that we try to get around that potential misconception is really just through a lot of education. Our website, ritdebtco.etco.com, has a ton of information in our library just about what it is that we're actually trying to do and help support. So we really believe in empowering our customer support team or technical team with a lot of really great people to be able to answer any question that may come up. What I'm trying to say here is we know the amount of information that you guys are receiving, the requests for your time. We just want to make that as easy as we can through delivering a lot of education and truly what we care about is not selling the stuff or the widget. It's about being able to provide that report for you to make sure that you're safe and you understand kind of the environment that you're working in. If there was something we could ask you guys as well about your profession, and I think that the A in RA does not do uh, what you guys do justice, right? I think that you guys facilitate more than you assist. You know, one thing Joe's heard me talk a lot about is it's not about a title. It's about what do you do and who do you serve? There's been a lot of appreciation for your role in a leadership capacity, in a roll your sleeves up and, and do the job capacity as well. The assistant title in, in the A uh, there is probably not an accurate depiction of what you guys do or what you're trying to achieve on a day-to-day basis. I think yes and no. In the facilitating, absolutely. I mean, that's a majority of the work that we do is facilitating things, getting things lined up for our radiologist, following yep. through with certain tasks. We're never there to replace the radiologist. So. I love that we have that in there because I think it really stresses the fact that we are a unit, we are a team, we are connected, and I will never be without you. And I like that because it allows me to know that I still have that line of working with my radiologist. So for me, the assistant is kind of this team effort. I'm there to assist the technologist. I'm there to assist the radiologist. I'm there to assist the patient. We are huge facilitators, and I agree with you 120% on that, and you're absolutely right. But I love the word assistant for several different reasons. Yeah, and I think that that really speaks to, you know, the the title is one thing, but the role, the responsibility, who do you serve is, is really what you're getting at, and I can certainly see that. So thanks. Well, thank you guys for all that you do. I don't know if there's any further things that y'all want to put out there or anything that you guys want to share with us before we wrap up. Yeah. Are we able to share like your company or is that, is that a thing? Is, can we do that? Yeah, absolutely. We're really thankful for, for the time that you've given us here today. And the platform is, is tremendous. And uh, I would encourage you, as you did earlier, Reese, if, if you're new to this uh, podcast, hit as many as you can. It, it's very informative. And I've learned a lot in the last couple of weeks preparing for this today. And, and obviously, you guys are a wealth of knowledge. But RDC Radiation Detection Company is probably working with a lot of your listeners today. We'd love an opportunity to provide any information, any educational material we can to the teams uh, that that are at some of these institutions when it comes to uh, radiation safety, our dosimetry service, anything that we can do to assist. 
Our website is Radetco, R-A-D-E-T-C-O.com. My information's there. Joe's information's there. There's a general number. There's 100 or so people that are uh, willing and ready to uh, assist any way we can. Reese and Marceline, uh, and I'll end on this. I was telling Amanda, just listening to the show, and just and even tonight, you pulled the curtain back and allowed us into, at least me, maybe Matt's seen more than I have. I told Amanda it felt like I was in the hospital break room when I was listening to your shows, how candid and how real it was and how organic it was. And I uh, appreciate this opportunity because I felt as if it went the same way tonight. So I appreciate that very much. And I learned a lot from you. Awesome. That's, that's actually, I love that feedback because it's how we want it to feel very comfortable. And it very much was. I'm sure that a lot of our listeners got that same effect from it as well, because that's what Marceline and I ventured out to do is to get people talking, get people interested in the different aspects of this career field. And we've had nothing but support. Here in just a few months, we're going to be coming up on a full year of material. And it has been fantastic. It has been a learning process. We are very proud to have both of you gentlemen on to share with us we're all connected. We're all the same team. And we all want to achieve the same goal. That's what we're here to do is we are here to literally collaborate with one another so that we can all work together as a team to achieve better patient care, no matter if we're patient facing staff or not. And so I want to thank you two guys for helping us do that, for taking care of me, for taking care of Marceline, for taking care of other imaging staff so that we can continue to take care of our patients. We all are the, the guys behind the curtain. It's still important, still vital, and still needed. And I'm so glad that y'all are here to do that. Really appreciate that. Thanks, Reese. Absolutely. That was very kind of you to say. Well, thank you for catching up with this week's episode of Collaboration RA. We want to thank you for joining us on this journey. Please check out previous episodes. Uh, like we mentioned earlier in this episode, we have a ton of material from a bunch of different individuals who want to share their story. I will say that we do have a lot of individuals lined up, ready to talk with us. Please continue to follow us, like, subscribe, and share us with your friends, share us with your staff, your radiologists. Just share the word. We do have a website. Go check us out at www.collaborationra.com. If you have something to say, let us know. You can drop us a line there on our socials. We have a Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. We're pretty easily to reach. So let us know if you want something to say. Otherwise, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Marceline, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Reese, for going on this adventure. I know that we announced when they did the end of 2022, we were in the top 15% most shared podcast globally. That is phenomenal. So thank you to everybody who's sharing, subscribing, discussing us. We really, really appreciate you all. We love the feedback that we get. I have to definitely say hats off to those who come on and speak with us because that is a huge part of what we do. So to all our past speakers, all the future ones coming on, to Joseph and to Matt, I want to say thank you so much for coming on with us. So I really, really appreciate it. I think it's just phenomenal. I hope that we continue down this path. And I'm just really excited. And thank you guys so much for contributing to that tonight. I appreciate it. 
Thank you both very much for everything you do. Thank you. All right, then. I guess we'll see you guys all next week. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Collaboration RA. Remember to find us on our website at www.collaborationra.com. There you'll find our social media accounts. Give us a like and give us a share. We look forward to your support and thank you for tuning in.